are listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Jesus, we affirm right now. We affirm who you say you are, and we affirm who you say we are. God, we affirm your goodness. We affirm that you are here, Lord God. And Jesus, we thank you for your presence here with us today. Lord God, as, as uh, many of us who've been praying have, have had laid on our hearts, Lord God, there's this thirst and there's this hunger in this place. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your promise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God, we come before you hungering and thirsting, knowing that nothing is going to satisfy us apart from you and your word, Lord God. Apart from you and your spirit, Lord God, nothing is going to satisfy us. And so, Jesus, we come tonight asking. We come tonight thirsting for you, God. We come tonight longing to know you, God. We come tonight to lay everything else down at your feet and say, I want nothing more than you tonight, God. So Jesus, we pray that tonight, tonight that you would have our hearts. May you have our hearts tonight, God. May you have our hearts tonight, God. We come expecting to meet with you, Lord. Jesus, even now I just give you this message, Lord God. Anything that's of me and not from you, that it would be just pushed away from my friend's ears, Lord God. Fill me with your spirit that I would speak with the anointing of your word. And thank you for your presence here, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. That was amazing. Thank you, worship band. That was so good. You can have a seat. Uh, thank you for that introduction, Tara. That was awesome. I am so honored to be here. Like Tara said, I was at the first resurgence 10 years ago, which is crazy to think about. And uh, it's actually like I just posted Instagram. This is kind of a dream for me. Um, so I'm super honored to be able to share with you all tonight. Uh, I think God's laid something on my heart, and, uh, and I think that it's something that is for the city. Uh, one of the things that, that I love about Resurgence is that at the heart of Resurgence is that God is, is at work in the entire city. It's not just about one church. It's not just about one denomination. It's not just about one or two people. It's about seeing the city of Edmonton. Um, affirming and agreeing with God's heart so that every time we gather together, God's spirit moves in a powerful way. And what I love about Resurgence is as a pastor, when people from McKernan come to Resurgence, they get fired up, they get filled up, they get excited about what God's doing, and they bring it back to our church. And our church actually thrives and functions well because of what Resurgence is doing. And, and I believe that for all of us, what we carry, what we're imparted when we come together at Resurgence, it's making a difference in the city. And so it really is a dream come true for me to be up here, and I'm super honored uh, to be here. <clears throat> Before I go forward, I just want to introduce you to my wife and daughter. Sadly, Ava's not here tonight. Um, she's hopefully asleep by now. Grandpa's, grandpa's babysitting her, so hopefully she's asleep right now. Uh, so that's Ava. She's like um, 16 months, and then my wife, Kirsten, is there with me in that photo. Um, isn't that nice? No snow on the ground? No ice on the ground? How nice was that? That was a good time of year. Um, but yeah, I figured I, I wanted to just let you all know a little bit about myself. Uh, like Tara said, my name is Donovan. I'm young adults and worship pastor at McKernan Baptist Church. And, um, and I, I have a heart to see God move in powerful ways. Um, at the core of who I am is the desire to know God more. Um, I, I, I had the privilege and the, 
the amazing privilege of working at House Prayer Edmonton for about six years. And I was able to, in that time, really formulate um, the belief that there's nothing that's more important. There's nothing that, 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 life, that means more in life than knowing God. And um, the thing that's really been burning on my heart recently, and, and the thing that I really want to mark me is that I'm a, a man who loves my family. And, uh, and so I, I wanted to start just by honoring my wife. I couldn't be here without you, Kirsten. Uh, I love you, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. And uh, I'm so glad you're here to support me in all the things that I've been doing. And uh, yeah, like you can see there, we're, we're new parents. We're loving uh, life right now. Ava's just figured out that, um, you know, drawers are meant to be opened and things are meant to be left on the ground. That's, um, that's kind of the way that she's living her life right now. And so I come home from work and literally the entire house is covered in stuff. And uh, it's great. Um, <laughs> we tried to clean up today. And as we're putting away the stuff in the drawers and in the boxes, she's literally taking them out and putting them back on the ground. <laughs> and so that's just, that's where we're living our life right now. Um, but I love it. And so today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about Holy Spirit because I believe that a life of dependency on the Holy Spirit is what gives us as Christians the ability to represent Jesus well, the ability to overcome sin, the ability to understand who God is. Without the Holy Spirit, we are literally nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, um, there's nothing that I believe sets us apart as Christians. Um, I want to start off with a question. How many of you have met somebody famous that you really look up to and respect or like? Anyone? Anyone? A few of you. So did, did that meeting live up to the expectation that you had of it? Did it? I know for me, when I was a couple years ago, I was, uh, I was out one evening, and I met a few of the players on the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm a begrudging Oilers fan. It's very difficult to be an Oilers fan these days, but I try. And, and I, I got to meet about four or five members of the Oilers. And it was, I, let me tell you, it was the most awkward thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I totally made a complete fool of myself. I just kind of walked into this group, and I just inserted myself and started talking to them. It was super awkward. Um, the more awkward thing is, like, I knew everything about these guys. I knew where they were from. I knew, like, how tall they were. I knew how many goals they had scored. I knew all of these things about them. But then I got, I met them, and it was, like, the most awkward thing I've ever experienced. And um, on the flip side of this, my wife and I and, and a few of our friends did a, a Bible study through something called Samuel's Mantle. And um, the person who runs that Bible study is a guy named Murray Duick, and he lives in Abbotsford. And we got to know him, and we got to know his story through this Bible study. And we were traveling to the West Coast, and my wife and I, we were like, let's just send him an email and see if he'd meet with us for coffee. And we sent him an email, and he says, oh, I'd love to meet with you for coffee. I'd love to hang out with you. And, um, and, and we sat down with him. We had a meal with him. We got to hear his story. We got to hear his heart. We got to know him. He prayed for us at the end. And the, the expectation that I had of this guy exceeded, exceeded what I even hoped it would be. And, and what I realized that day is there's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. And I think as Christians, we, we tend to know a lot about God. We tend to know a lot about him. But do we really know him? Do we really know him? If you read through the New Testament, if you read through the books of Colossians, Ephesians, Paul's letters especially, one of the things that he always does is he prays for the church that they would know God. How do they know God? He prays that they would know God by receiving the Spirit that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our hearts to know God as he is. And so as Christians, we can't really know God. We can't really know how great he is, how awesome he is, without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and I believe that the more we grow in communion with and dependence on the Holy Spirit, the more our lives will be marked by God. 
And when we get to that place of, of receiving the Holy Spirit and, and allowing Holy Spirit to form us and shape us, it'll transform every area of our lives. And, and that's what I want to talk about today, is that a hunger to know God should lead us to dependency on the Holy Spirit. If we're hungry to know God, we need to live a life that's dependent on Holy Spirit. And, and I'll be honest with you guys, I, um, I, I, I've always been open to God, but I've also... I've also been in a lot of circles where people are very skeptical of the Holy Spirit. I've been in a lot of circles that, um, where, where people, um, they're skeptical of emotions and they're skeptical of feelings. Uh, I've been in a lot of circles where as soon as you start talking about things like experiencing God or, um, or, or an encounter with God, these things are kind of, well, you've got to be careful with that. You, you, you can't just be subjective. Um, but I've had the amazing privilege in my life, and I believe it's a gift from God, that, um, that I've realized that in my places of hunger, God's met me. And, and, and I've had to take a posture of, God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I just want to know you more. And, and, and it's cool because um, there's been points where I've been at the most like, charismatic conferences. And uh, if any of my Baptist friends were there, they'd probably be super offended. And I'm just like, Lord, I want whatever you have for me at this thing. And God's met me in that place. And on the exact flip side, I've been in seminary classes and I've been openly weeping because of the glory of God just meeting me in that place. And so what I, I only say that today because wherever you're at today, whether you're at a place of, oh, I've seen all this Holy Spirit stuff before and, and it's been really good. Or maybe you're new to this Holy Spirit stuff and, and you're kind of like, I've been asking God for an encounter, but I've never really felt anything before. I, I hope that tonight, God, I believe tonight God's going to meet you exactly where you are and exactly where you need to be met. And so before I move on, I'm just going to pray. God, we thank you for your presence here with us today. Lord Jesus, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, wherever they're at tonight, God, that you would meet them. Lord God, I believe some of us tonight need that touch. Uh, some of us have, 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 have been in situations like this and seen people experience you but never felt you for ourselves. I believe you want to do that for some of us tonight. Uh, others of us, of us in this room have, have felt your touch in such a powerful way, and I believe you want to use some of them to to help others experience that tonight. Uh, but Jesus, wherever we're at, Lord, we, we just open ourselves up. We say, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so yes, I, I couldn't help but start off with just going through the Bible. I absolutely love this book. It is an amazing book. And the Bible has so much to say about the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think it, if you actually start looking at what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit, you could spend like years and years and years and you wouldn't even touch all, all of the stuff and all of the goodness what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. So I want to start off today just by giving us a really quick, I'm going to blitz through this, but it's, who does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit is? Uh, first of all, the Bible introduces us to the Holy Spirit as a personal member of the Trinity. You can go to that first slide. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit is God's literal presence here on the earth. So it's the presence of God on the earth, but the Holy Spirit is also God's presence indwelling us as his followers. In John 14, Jesus is teaching his disciples about Holy Spirit. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That word another is actually really important. Because that word another means the same as or just like. Um, Jesus is using that word to say, this other one that's coming is the same as and just like me. The Father is going to give you this Holy Spirit who's, who's just like me. He's another one. He's me, essentially, here on the earth. So the Holy Spirit is a member of the Godhead. 
The Holy Spirit is fully God, but also fully present. And so if we believe that Holy Spirit is fully God, then the, the attributes that we see of Father God in the Old and New Testament, the attributes that we see of Jesus are also true of the Holy Spirit. So that means that he's omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is, is present in all places at all times. That's crazy. Um, the Holy Spirit is eternal and uncreated. Um, and and I've, heard it, I've heard it said that, that God is eternal in all of his attributes. And what, I mean by, what, the, what, what we mean by that is that you could pick an attribute of God, like his love, and you could spend the rest of eternity studying the love of God and never fully comprehend the love of God. That's, that's amazing. Holy Spirit is eternal, and Holy Spirit is uncreated. In fact, in Genesis 1, it says God breathed over the waters. That's actually the Holy Spirit bringing creation into being. Holy Spirit is omniscient. That means Holy Spirit knows everything. <laughs> very scary, but also very good. Um, Holy Spirit is omnipotent, all-powerful. Um, Holy Spirit is all-powerful. Um, Holy Spirit is not a force or an influence. Uh, how many of you like Star Wars? Anyone like Star Wars? Um, Holy Spirit is not like the force, not like this thing that's out there that we need to tap into and all this, like, or good or bad or all that. That's not who Holy Spirit is. Holy Spirit is personal. Holy Spirit is a person. John 16 says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. This is Jesus talking. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Holy Spirit isn't this like force of power that we just need to tap into. Holy Spirit is a person. A person that guides us into all truth and glorifies Jesus. And I, I found this verse in Romans 8. Um, as I was studying, and I, I don't know why it never really stuck out to me before, but Romans 8 verse 27 says this. It says that, um, and God who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So this omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful being intercedes for us according to God's will. That's amazing. <laughs> Holy Spirit is interceding for us according to God's will. Uh, the second thing the Bible says about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit connects heaven and earth. The Holy Spirit is the very connection between heaven, eternity, and earth. Um, first of all, the, the Holy Spirit makes earth look more like heaven. John 14, verse 12 to 14, says this. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me, again, this is Jesus talking, the one who believes in me will do, greater, will do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus is saying, if you believe in me through the Spirit, you're going to do the same things I did. Earth is going to look like heaven. The ministry that I had is going to continue on the earth. Um, the Holy Spirit makes us look like Jesus. Acts 1.8. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word witnesses in the Greek, the, the, actual, um, the actual definition of that word is literal representation. And so when Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and be my witnesses, he's saying the Holy Spirit is going to make you my literal representation. And so when we say we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the Holy Spirit literally does that in us through, uh, through God's power. And, and finally, another thing the Holy Spirit does is search the deep things of God. And uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, The Spirit searches out all things, even the deep things of God. Holy Spirit reveals the heart of God to us. 
And again, like I started off with, if we want to know God, it's the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to know him as he is. Um, Next, the Holy Spirit empowered and enacted the ministry of Jesus. We don't actually have any recorded miracles in the Bible before Jesus' baptism. And in Luke 3, verse 22, right after Jesus is baptized, it says, The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, saying, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So Jesus didn't even do any miracles before he received the the, the Holy Spirit. And Derek Prince says, Jesus is our pattern of total dependence upon the Holy Spirit. He He relied on the Holy Spirit for power, for his miracles, for his teaching. He did nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. The challenge of the ministry of Jesus is a challenge to us to depend on the Holy Spirit just as he did. Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, The next thing about the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture is that Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the the writing of Scripture. It's amazing. Um, And next, in John, Jesus teaches us a lot about Holy Spirit. I know I'm giving you a lot here, but it's so good. Um, In John, Jesus teaches a ton about Holy Spirit. Um, First off, in John 7, we see that Holy Spirit is our very source of life. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Rivers of living water will flow from within us. The Holy Spirit flows from within us. Our very source of life is Holy Spirit. Jesus teaches in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. In John 14, verse 26, or sorry, verse 15, Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That word advocate or comforter is the word paraclete. Um, That word in Greek means helper. And it's actually the same word that Jesus used to describe himself elsewhere in the book of John. And so Jesus is saying, you're going to receive this comforter. And so when I'm often praying for people that are grieving or going through difficult times, I just pray that that they would receive revelation of the Holy Spirit's comfort. Um, Because comfort ultimately comes from God, as we see in the Holy Spirit. Jesus also teaches us the Holy Spirit is our teacher. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. And remind you of all that I have said to you. Holy Spirit loves to remind us of Jesus, loves to teach us the ways of Jesus. Uh, there's a crazy verse in John 16, verse 7. Uh, I need to read to you now. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's presence on the earth is actually better than my physical presence on the earth. Doesn't that sound heretical? (laughs) But Jesus said it. It's actually better that we have Holy Spirit than Jesus still being present on the earth. John John 16 continues to talk about Holy Spirit as the convictor of sin. In verse 8, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin. And uh, this is one of the things that, that uh, I think is really important for us as a church to, to understand about the Holy Spirit is that I can't convict you of sin. As a pastor, I'm not going to be able to convict anyone of sin. 
Um, as, a, as a family person, you can't convict your, your family members of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. And, and so when, when we're praying for, for people that are lost or people that are looking for God or, or people that are living in sin, praying that the Holy Spirit would convict them of sin, praying that the Holy Spirit would do what the Holy Spirit does is, is, is the best way to go about it. Rather than me trying to make them feel guilty about the sin in their life, praying that the Holy Spirit would reveal the love of God and call them to himself. Another aspect of the Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit brings prophetic understanding to the church. Verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's pretty cool. Um, Another thing about Holy Spirit that Jesus says is this, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit is is Jesus' biggest fan. Holy Spirit is Jesus' biggest fan, all about glorifying Jesus. And one of the things, again, I'm just going to give a little teaching here. When we're going to something or when we're, we're asking the question, is this really the Holy Spirit? Say we're at a conference or we're at a, at a place or we're hearing a teaching, and, and there's that question in our heart, that discernment, is this really the Holy Spirit? One of the best ways to discern whether or not what you're hearing is from God is, is this glorifying Jesus? Is this glorifying Jesus? Is this bringing glory to him or is this bringing glory to the person sharing or is this bringing glory to somewhere else? Because the Holy Spirit is always going to elevate and glorify Jesus. Always. Always. Another thing about the Holy Spirit, and uh, this is a pretty crazy reality here. So there's actually something really profound that happens in the Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, In the Old Testament, God's presence was visitational. And what that meant is that God's presence inhabited a place. So David built a tent. Solomon built a temple. Moses had a tabernacle. There were these places where, Jesus, where God's presence would literally be. And in order to meet with God, you had to go to that place. There was the, the odd person that was prophetically gifted that, that God would speak to and the spirit would move in. But the reality was where you met with God was at this place. It was a visitational presence. In fact, God's presence was so um, tangible in that place that you couldn't really go into that place unless you did the right things, right? And so in Leviticus chapter 16, there's this crazy story about what it takes to enter God's presence. It says this, Tell your brother Aaron not to come just at any time into the sanctuary. Inside the curtain before the mercy seat that is upon the ark, or he will die. For I appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. We read in the Old Testament what happened is they built a temple. God's presence was right at the center of it in what was called the most holy place. Between the most holy place and the next level out, which was the holy place, there was this huge curtain. This curtain was, I think it was 40 feet tall, and they say it was about five inches thick. So this was a pretty heavy duty curtain. And the only way a priest could go through that curtain is if he did all these things. I'm just going to read this quickly to give you an idea. Aaron shall come into the holy place with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy tunic and have the linen undergarments next to his body. Fasten the linen sash, wear the linen turban. These are the holy vestments. It goes on. He shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself. He shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord. There's all this stuff that he had to do to get into God's presence. And here's the thing, it's not in the Bible, but it is in Jewish, in Jewish history that they actually would tie a rope around the priest's ankle. Because if the priest wasn't right before God, he would fall over dead. 
and nobody could go in to get him, right? And so that was what it took to be in God's presence. But what happens in the New Testament? This is amazing. God's presence moves from visitational to habitational. We read in Matthew 27, 50 to 51. This is where Jesus is on the cross. He's just been crucified. It says, Jesus breathed his final breath. The next verse says, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. God's presence, which was confined to this place, was now thrust out into the world. God's presence, which you could only enter in if you had done all of these things, was now available to everybody. God's presence was thrust out of that temple. And as much as I think God was mourning the fact that Jesus had to die, I think he was celebrating the fact that now anyone could enter into his presence and be changed. That God's presence isn't just confined to a space anymore. That's when when Jesus is teaching the woman at the well about worship. He says, the time is coming when we'll worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about worshiping at a mountain or worshiping at a temple. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. So when when the curtain of the temple is torn from top to bottom, God's presence is released. It's not just visitational anymore. It's habitational, which means God's presence inhabits us as his followers. The next thing we learn about Holy Spirit is that Jesus was introduced as the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, John said, don't glorify me. I'm nobody. I'm just a little schmuck. This guy, Jesus, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus introduces the baptizer of the Holy Spirit in fire. I'm going to talk more about that later. Um, so with this in mind, I want, I want to read this verse. And I, I want us to uh, actually go to the next slide. I want to read this together. And let's declare this truth. Because in light of what I just said about the Holy Spirit, let's declare this truth. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So we have this amazing Holy Spirit. He's all of these things and he indwells us. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. Go to the next verse. This is Paul in Ephesians. He says, I pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe. The same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So we can see in scripture, not only is God's power in us, God's power is for us. God's power is for us by his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Man, God is so good. Holy Spirit is so good. So what does a life of dependence on Holy Spirit look like? Um, I've really been trying to wrestle with what I wanted to share today and um, just because God's laid a lot on my heart. And and as I was praying for tonight, um, I was at Breakforth a couple weeks ago and just, I just said, Lord, what do you want me to say at Resurgence? (laughs) Like, what what do you want me to say? And I really feel like the Lord said, just share what's burning on your heart. Share what's burning on your heart. And so this whole idea of dependency on the Holy Spirit is just, it's been burning on my heart recently. And so what I'm going to do is give you four or five different ways that we can depend on Holy Spirit. What it looks like for us to depend on Holy Spirit. Um, The first thing is that I believe that a life of dependence on Holy Spirit is our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. 
So inheritance is what we receive, not because of anything we've done. We receive inheritance because of who we are, right? Inheritance is not something that you need to earn. It's not something that you need to, to, uh, to grow into. It's something that you are born into. And it is our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. It's not earned. Again, in John 7, 37, I'm going to read this again just because it's so good. Um, Jesus stood in a loud voice and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures had said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. It doesn't say, um, you know, only these people who believe in me come and drink. He says, anyone who believes in me, let them come and drink. Let them receive livers, rivers of living water on the inside. <laughs> livers. <laughs> nobody, wants, nobody wants those. <clears throat> Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus is teaching on the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says. It's amazing. He says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's what God loves to do, is pour out his Spirit on his children. It's our inheritance. We are not orphans. We are friends of God. And because of that, we are in communion with God by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I, uh, I know this has been said by others before, but but. I think when we receive Holy Spirit, it should change everything in our lives. When we understand the power that's indwelling us, it should transform everything in our lives. When we walk in the reality of what we've received from God and who He is, it should change everything. And, and I want my life to make no sense apart from the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and say, why is He different? What, what, what is about this guy? Why does He do the things He do? It's because of the Holy Spirit. We, need, we should look differently because of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. Um, but one of the things that, that I really have, uh, in the last few years, God's been really working on me, is I used to strive so much to receive the Holy Spirit. I used to live in this place where I, I would think, oh, I have to get this sin taken care of. I have to do this in my life. Um, maybe if I go to the right conference or I have the right person pray for me, then maybe I'll, I'll finally get whatever God has for me. Um, in fact, I was, um, I was just on a walk with the Lord one day and, and I was praying and, and I was just feeling, I was just praying how I used to pray. I used to pray like this all the time. I was like, Lord, I just want more of you. I just need more of you. Like, help me just know you more. Help me to grow in, in relationship with you. And like, I, and I, it was almost like down on myself. And I felt like the Lord say, stop praying like this. You already have all these things. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And so I realized that I don't need to live for God. I don't need to live for him to try to earn his love, to try to earn his approval. I need to live from that place of receiving who I am from God. And, and, and something shifted in my life that day where, where I stopped needing to strive. I stopped needing to, to, under, I stopped needing to, to look for God's love in, in other places. And I, I came to this point where I was able to say, no, I've already received all that I need from God. That's why I absolutely love that song, Who You Say I Am. I've loved it since the first time I heard it. And, and every time I sing it, I'm just like pumped up. Because when we actually believe that, and when we believe that that's not because of anything we've done, it's because of who we are and what we already have, that should impact us to, to live differently. <laughs> like we don't need to be bogged down by things. We don't need to, to carry heavy, heavy burdens anymore. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. It's the truth that we declare. And it's the reality we live from. It's not what we need to strive for. 
And so the Holy Spirit is our inheritance as sons and daughters. Let anyone who is thirsty come and drink. We're going to have a chance to do that tonight. Um, Secondly, dependency on the Holy Spirit is how we experience true transformation and victory over sin. This one is hugely on my heart recently. Um, This this has um, transformed my life, understanding this point. And I'll, I'll say, I'll be that bold. Because um, I think we are not changed by behavior modification. We're not changed by working harder. We're not changed by striving. We're transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And, and I'd go as far as to say we are transformed by encounter with God. The only way to truly be transformed is encountering the love of God, the goodness of God. James chapter 1 um, has been a huge chapter in this whole journey for me. <clears throat> Got to find it here. I found Hebrews, so I'm close. Um, I should have written down what it was. It just kind of came to my mind. Um, it essentially, sorry, I can't find the exact verse off the top of my head. But uh, the idea in the, in the passage is that um, we, we're constantly fighting a war inside of us between desires. We desire, we desire to have, and so we steal. We desire, to, um, we desire something, and so we do something else. And so essentially, James is laying the case that all sin is rooted in misplaced desire. All of the sin that we struggle with in our life is actually because our desires are misaligned. Right? That's the case that James, ma- James is making in this passage. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact, the exact reference. If somebody does, you can just shout it out. Anyone? Okay, no worries. What's that? James 1, 13 to 15. <laughs> awesome. No, that's not it, but that's okay. <laughs> that's a good one, though. I'm really, what's that? James chapter 3? 4, 1? Oh, yeah, James 4. Yes. Yes, everyone give her a hand. Yes, that was good. <laughs> Here, here's James chapter 4. The conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? So where does all the sin that you struggle with come from? Do they not come from the desires, the cravings that are at war within you? You want something you don't have, so you murder. You covet something you cannot obtain, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. Here's the important thing. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures. Um, it's just this, uh, the reality is we struggle with sin because our desires are misplaced. We struggle with sin because we think that we can satisfy our longing for God outside of him. And, and I have the most crazy story in my own life about how this has come to be. You can show the photo. That was me about um, four or five years ago. I was 308 pounds. And I really did not like myself. I did not like... Um, what I had done to my body. I did not like um, what had happened, what was happening to me, and I felt completely powerless to get healthy again. I felt completely powerless to lose weight. You can show the next slide. This is me back in November. I ran the half marathon. (laughs) I ran the Seattle half marathon in just over two hours. And that's crazy because I, like, hated running. Like, I hated, I hated running so much. I used to play rugby in high school, and, like, running was my least favorite part of rugby. Um, But, so here's what happened. A lot of people are asking me, how did you lose 100 pounds? 
So I've, I've currently lost 120 pounds almost. And, and the way that I did that was not through working harder. Let me tell you, I tried everything. I tried diets. I tried um, exercising. I tried, I tried joining groups. I tried diet bets. Literally everything you could imagine I tried. And what would happen is I would lose about 30 to 40 pounds, and then I would just give up. I would be done. I would literally, like, drain myself of my own will. And I have a very, very strong will. Like, I can endure quite a bit of pain, as I've learned through trying to run. <laughs> but I would, get this, I would hit this wall, and I wouldn't be able to, to keep going. And I would go back to food, and I would go back to gaining weight. But what happened is through... Um, through life coaching and through this understanding of James chapter 4 and what, the, what we just talked about is how sin is really just misplaced desires. What I learned is that my desire for comfort and for joy was being met in food. And so whenever I had a need for comfort or joy, I would go to food. It, it got so bad, I can tell you where almost every McDonald's is in the city. Because I would know where, if I was driving somewhere, I would know which McDonald's I could go to. Like that's how bad it was. I know where every Dairy Queen is in the city because I just, it, it just is part of who I used to be because food was my comfort and joy. And so what I had to do is I had to say, I'm not going to have my comfort and my joy found in food. I'm gonna, I want to find that in Jesus. Holy Spirit is my comfort. Jesus is my joy. Why do I need food to be that for me? And so what I, what I started doing um, with the help of my, my, my life coach was I started praying this prayer every time I ate. I would pray, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the comfort and the joy that you give me. Help me to view this food as an act of worship and how I consume this food as an act of worship to you. And literally, my addiction over food broke in a moment. God is so good. Um, uh, Tony Stoltzfus says, The human way is to start on the outside with a behavior we don't like and then try to rein it in with discipline or willpower. But Jesus' way assumes that changing behavior through discipline is impossible. Outside of encounters with the goodness of God, filling the desires of our hearts. So good. The Holy Spirit is what enables us to be transformed. One of my favorite things about this photo is um, part of my testimony is I had a near-death experience. And I'm sure if I ever am on stage here again, I'll share that. Um, but when, when I went through this season in my life where I almost died from falling off a cliff, um, the song, Blessed Be Your Name, was really meaningful to me at that time. And I would listen to that song over and over again, and it was just reminding me of who God was, even though I had 14 broken bones, and the doctors were saying there's no hope for you to go back to school, all these things. I just listened to that song, Blessed Be Your Name, over and over again, and it kind of got me through that season. And the crazy thing is, when I crossed that finish line, the first thing that I did after taking that photo is I just turned blessed be your name on, and I just worshiped. And I said, Jesus, there's no way that I could have done this. The doctors told me I'd probably never walk right again because of my accident. But he is good, and he transforms us. And so I want to encourage you, whatever sins you're struggling with, whatever things you're facing today, as I'm talking, just maybe take some time with God to just pray, what are the desires that that's satisfying that I should be finding in you? And we're going to pray about that in a little while. Um, next, the Holy Spirit, a life of dependency on Holy Spirit, enables us to believe for the impossible. Zechariah 4.6 says, It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. 
The Holy Spirit enables us to believe for the impossible. Again, we see in John 14, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And this is truth with a capital T. The thing that I think about the Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit guides us to a truth that's actually bigger than our circumstances at times. Um, there, there can be seasons in our life where things are happening and it doesn't look like God's at work. It looks like he's far off. It looks like he's not present. It looks like he may not be, be doing the things that we need him to be in that season. But what Holy Spirit does is enables us to believe the truth that he is actually at work. He, he, he enables us to believe the truth that our circumstances may not always line up with what the Bible says, but I'm going to agree more with what this book says than what my circumstances say. Because our, our reality is either shaped by our experience or it's shaped by the word of God. And so I want to encourage you that, that, that agreeing with what the Bible says about who God is and, and how good he is and how great he is and how he is for us enables us to believe for the impossible. Erwin McManus says this, we've been looking at the book of Acts as extraordinary acts of God performed through extraordinary people. But we have rescripted the text to be a picture of heroes of the faith rather than the simple lives of the faithful. <laughs> He's essentially making this point that in Acts, we see all these miracles. We see God do all these impossible, amazing things, and we almost put them up on a pedestal and say, this is true, like this is the heroic stuff. This is the greatest stuff. When in reality, that's the normal stuff. That's the stuff that we should be believing for. That's the stuff that we should be walking in. I think as Christians, we're called to be thermostats and not thermometers. And what I mean by that is a, ther a, therm a thermometer, all it does is it tells you the temperature in a room, right? So a thermometer is gonna, it's gonna go up or down based on how hot or cold something is, right? Like that's how a thermometer works. Where a thermostat will actually read the temperature of the room and it will say, this is, the temperature's here, but I want it to be here. So I'm gonna believe that the atmosphere of the room is gonna change. As Christians, we're called to be thermostats, that when we walk into a room and, God's, and there's darkness there, we bring light. When we walk into a room and there's, there's anxiety there, we bring peace. That we don't let the things that are going on in our lives shape our inner reality because we believe in truth with a capital T by the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, the, <laughs> I was talking to a friend yesterday, and um, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, without faith. It is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 11.6. That's a crazy verse. Um, and me and him were talking yesterday about faith, and we're like, man, I feel like faith and stupidity sometimes feel really close together. Because <laughs> I think sometimes God's going to call us to do things that just seem crazy or just seem impossible. And, and sometimes when we're, when we're walking and believing in truth with a capital T, we can take that step, we can take that plunge, and we don't have to be afraid because we know God's going to meet us in that place. Um, for me recently, um, God's really come through for my wife and I in some crazy ways. Uh, we, we recently just bought a, a second home, and it was one of those things where we really believe this is going to be a place of peace, a place where God's going to move, and, um, and we were really believing that this was something from him. But both of us in our humanness are really like looking at the numbers, we're crunching the numbers, we're like, oh man, this is crazy, like this is big, this is a big thing, but we really believe God was leading us this way. And uh, I remember one day, uh, I, was at my, I was at my, just walking through the sanctuary of the church, and our janitor comes up to me, and she's very prophetic. I have another story about her later. And she says, um, God's, God's put a word on my heart for you. Or she, she said, God's put a word on my heart. I didn't know who it was for, but as soon as I saw you, I felt like it's for you. I was like, what's that? She said, come and see how I provide. 
That was what she told me. Come and see how I provide. What she didn't know is that the biggest area of anxiety that I had about this whole house thing, the biggest step of faith for me was, would we be able to find tenants for our our current home? Because if we didn't find tenants, it's financially impossible for us to do this. And the crazy thing is, like, that day or the next day, we get an email from somebody saying, I hear you guys are moving out. We had literally not posted anything anywhere. We hadn't really told many people at all that we were doing this. We get an email, I hear you guys are, are looking to move out. Like, we, my friend and I want to live close to the university. You know, can we look at your house? <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I'm telling you, when we, when we take the step of faith, when we take that leap, God meets us there. Because Holy Spirit gives us big T truth, which allows us to believe for the impossible. Um, next, a life of dependence on Holy Spirit is a life of fruitfulness. Um, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, it should be Galatians 6, I think, not 5. Um, um, just this amazing uh, promise of what a spirit-filled life looks like. And I'm just going to read it quickly for you. Sorry, it is Galatians 5. It says this in verse 16, Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then in verse 22, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So life in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And one of the things that that I've been learning about the fruit of the Spirit is that it's not, again, it's not about like, Lord, I need more self-control. Make me more self-controlled. That's not what fruit is, right? Like fruit doesn't strive to be grown, right? Like fruit grows because it's connected to the the tree that it's connected to, right? And, um, and, And so we grow as Christians by being connected, to the power of the Holy Spirit. So our lives produce joy because we're connected to the Holy Spirit. Our lives produce peace because we're connected to the Holy Spirit. But we're all human and we all do struggle with things, right? And so rather than thinking, Lord, make me more patient, why don't we say, Holy Spirit, you are the most patient person there is. God, you are so patient to me. Make your patience to me so incredible that my life would produce more patience. Uh, Do you see the shift there? It's not just like trying to strive for more. It's actually receiving the fruit from God so that it produces in our lives. Because God is the most loving, joyful, patient, self-controlled, kind, good person out there. And so when we abide in him, when we allow him to grow us, we will produce fruit in our lives. And uh, one of the the times where the fruit of the Spirit really shows us is when we're under pressure. (laughs) I've heard this kind of hilarious, um, this hilarious analogy, but like when you you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You get orange juice, right? (laughs) When you squeeze an apple, what do you get? You get apple juice, hopefully. But (laughs) But when you squeeze a Christian, what do you get? Do you get Jesus? That's one of the ways to know, am I, am I abiding in God? Am I abiding in God? When I'm under pressure, When I'm facing the pressure of life, what's producing? What's my life producing? A life of dependence on Holy Spirit is a life of fruitfulness. Next, it's a life of being gifted to fulfill our calling and mission. Um, Holy Spirit gives us these things called spiritual gifts. We see them in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, It says that we're all been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. This is that ability to live out and fulfill the mission of Jesus on the earth in line with how he's created us. Um, spiritual gifts function both as, as, um, as kind of how we are called. So we see in Ephesians chapter 5, we see that some are called to be prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. 
And, and we see in 1 Corinthians 12 all these different gifts, hospitality, service, love, speaking in tongues, prophecy. They're, they're all these gifts that are given to us by the church so that we can accomplish the mission of Jesus on the earth. Um, these gifts are both corporate and they're individual. Ephesians 2.22 says that we are built into a dwelling place of God's spirit. So as the church, we are, we are where God's presence dwells. The Lord inhabits the praise of his people. We see that in Psalms. Um, but individually, God gives us his spirit for mission. God gives us his spirit so that we can live out of the places, um, so that we can live out the things that, that really drive us and the things that really compel us with his power. So it's not just about, again, trying to work hard for God. It's about knowing we're called by God, empowered by the spirit, gifted by the spirit, so that we can reflect the kingdom wherever we go. Um, that same janitor that I was telling you about earlier, one day she came into my office and she looked at me and she said, Donovan, you are a touchdown point of God's kingdom. I am a touchdown point of God's kingdom. We are touchdown points of God's kingdom. And so not only is the Holy Spirit the connector between heaven and earth, Holy Spirit connects us to heaven so that we connect heaven to earth. The way we live our lives, the gifts, the power is all to see heaven come. It's all for mission. And finally, this is the most important one. The whole life of dependency on the Holy Spirit is a reflection of the life and power of Jesus. Um, Matthew 14, verse 14, uh, it says this. This is an amazing verse. It says, Jesus had compassion on the crowds and he healed all of their sick. He had compassion on the crowds and healed all of their sick. Um, and so when the Holy Spirit works in miracles or works in amazing ways, it's really just so that our lives can reflect Jesus's. Um, miracles are a sign that point people to Jesus. We see this in Acts chapter 3, right after the Holy Spirit is poured out. Uh, we see Peter and, and John just walking down the street, and there's this, this guy that they, they see him get healed. He's lame, and they heal his legs, and he's up dancing. And, um, and basically... There's this idea that, um, that because they did something miraculous, they could get paid for it. They say, no, I'm not here for money. We're here so that you can know Jesus. We're here so you can know Jesus. And so we as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are filled with the Holy Spirit, so our lives reflect the life of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And so when we're walking by the Spirit, when we're seeing him do miracles and amazing things through our lives, it's so that he is given the glory so that he is given the glory. So life of dependency on Jesus, again, Acts 1 chapter 8, or Acts 1 verse 8 says that we are his witnesses, his literal representation. And so here's, uh, I want to I conclude just by asking the question of how do I deepen my dependency on the Holy Spirit? How do I actually foster a deeper dependence with the Holy Spirit? Um, the first thing, and this is so important, is that we need to posture ourselves for God's work with spiritual practices. We can't just grow as, as Christians if we just give God one hour on a Sunday and one Saturday a month. <laughs> we grow as Christians through the everyday grind. One of the things that, uh, that I have the privilege of doing is I'm a chaplain for the University of Alberta Golden Bears football team. And man, those guys inspire me so much because they work so hard. They put in so much work to, to master their sport. They're practicing like crazy. And they're in school full-time, and they come to chapel. They're amazing guys. 
And, um, but, but they don't become great football players just by showing up at the odd practice here and there. You know, they don't become great football players just by knowing about good football players and, and like, um, just knowing what they do. They, they become great football players by doing what great football players have done, by practicing. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I beat my body, I make it my slave, so that after preaching, I would not become disqualified. So basically, Paul's saying that I'm doing whatever I can to become like Jesus. How? By living like Jesus lived. The way that we walk out dependency on the Holy Spirit, the first way is by committing to live like Jesus lived. And so I don't, I, I, we've heard of this idea of spiritual disciplines. I'm sure all of us in the room have heard of spiritual disciplines. And, um, and what I want to communicate today is that spiritual disciplines um, sometimes take a bit of a negative connotation or, or they almost become a checklist of things that good Christians do. You know, I read my Bible, this, I do that, I do this. But, but the reality is when, when your idea is I want to depend on Holy Spirit and I want to become like Jesus, it's not a discipline, it's a delight. And so reading the Bible for me isn't just about filling my head with knowledge so that I can have good arguments if my non-Christian friends want to talk to me or, or so that when I'm preaching I can just spout off verses. Reading the Bible to me is, is where I meet with Jesus. I don't, ever, I don't ever want to read this book without the purpose of communing with God. Um, going to church on a Sunday morning isn't just about an experience or just about um, getting filled up. Going to church on a Sunday morning is about encountering Jesus and, and serving his people. Um, spiritual disciplines like, um, like prayer. I think a lot of us, every one of us, if I asked how many of you feel like you could pray more, every single one of you would probably raise your hand. Um, but what's our heart in prayer? Is it, is it to, to grow in communion with Jesus? If we read through the Gospels, we see that oftentimes it says Jesus would go off by himself to be with the Father. That, that, that's the reason why I want to pray. Spiritual disciplines are not an end in and of themselves. They are a means to an end of becoming like Christ. They are a means to an end of becoming like Christ. And as long as we keep that attitude, and as long as we keep that, that posture, God's, God's going to start to transform the way that you view the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices. Um, and one that I really want to just give, uh, there's two I want to highlight. One is Sabbath. I think Sabbath is an extremely important practice. It is one of the most important spiritual practices that I have in my entire life. Um, I, I had a burnout a few years ago. I had full-blown anxiety attacks. I had to take a three-month stress leave because I was so stressed out. I think, honestly, the reason why that happened, there's, probably, there's a lot of little reasons, but I think one of the biggest reasons is because I didn't Sabbath. I worked seven days a week solid without stopping. And, and I had two jobs, I was in full-time school, um, all these different things going on. I didn't Sabbath. I burnt out. I paid for it. And, and one of the things that I did is after I was done, after I went back into work and the Lord literally healed me of my anxiety, like literally I was healed of it. Um, after that happened, I decided I'm going to Sabbath. Every Tuesday, I'm going to Sabbath. And so without, without fail, the, the only exception is for a resurgence on Tuesday nights. I work on Tuesday, and then I take a different day of the week for Sabbath, those weeks. Um, without exception, Tuesday has been my Sabbath. And I did my master's, and um, I was working full-time while I was doing my master's. But I made the decision, I'm not going to work on Tuesdays. And let me tell you, it was amazing. I never felt overwhelmed with school. There were, yeah, there were times where I was like, oh, I got a lot going on. But I never let that overwhelm me or lead me to anxiety. 
And, uh, and it, was, it was funny because in the rhythms of the weeks, like every, everyone was working all the time. I was like, no, Tuesday's my Sabbath. And so if you don't have a Sabbath, I want to encourage you, take a Sabbath. <laughs> it, is a, it is a gift that God has given us. And we experience the fullness of God in that place. Uh, the other spiritual practice that I think is really important in this hour is fasting. I think it's really important to commit to fasting. And so I, I, I think that those of us who are able to take a day a month or, or a day a week without eating and just commit that time to increasing our hunger for God, I encourage you to do that. Um, I, I, again, I'm not, I don't want to guilt anyone. It's not about guilt. It's about a delight. And that place of fasting and that place of saying, no, I don't want to eat food. I don't want food to be what satisfies me. I want Jesus to be what satisfies me. He meets us in that place. And I think fasting is going to be the thing that unlocks a lot of what God's going to do in the church as, uh, as we move forward. Um, but yeah, so the first thing, how do I deepen my dependence? It's the everyday life. It's the spiritual practices. It's, it's that this, what we do here at Resurgence, is, is really just like a reflection of the rest of my life. <laughs> When I come to resurgence on a Saturday night, when I go to church on a Sunday, that's not the exception. That's like the normal, right? Every day, God wants to be with us. The second way that we grow our life of dependence on the Holy Spirit is receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I believe biblically that we do receive the Holy Spirit at conversion, that when we accept Jesus into our heart, when we make him Lord of our life, we receive the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that there is more. I never want to be the type of person that says I've got all of God that I need. I think there's always more. There's always more that we can grow in God. Again, Matthew 3.11. Jesus was introduced as the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. That was, that was what John titled Jesus as. One is coming who will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. There's a lot of different stories in Acts, and I, I think I have time for two of them. Just to read through quickly. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. It says, When they believed Philip, who was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. After being baptized, he stayed constantly with Philip and was amazed when he saw the signs and miracles that took place. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that's one of the first stories we see in Acts where people get saved, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit. There, it's actually two separate events that happen. And so the disciples, the apostles, pray for them. When Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, or sorry, Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Um, Acts chapter 10 Verse 44 to 48, we see this. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus and invited them to stay for several days. Again, we see two separate events, um, a baptism in the Holy Spirit and a baptism in the name of Jesus. I'll read one more from John, uh, Acts 15, verse 7 to 9. It says, After there had been much debate, Peter stood up to them and said, My brothers, 
You know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God who knows the human heart. Oh, I don't think this is the right verse again. Gosh, sorry guys. (laughs) Um, Anyways, um, we see these different stories in Acts where where people, they they receive Jesus, they get saved, and then later they receive the Holy Spirit. And um, what we see in these stories is that there's not one way that it happens. (laughs) There's not one way that you can say, this is how the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. Um, we see that when Peter's talking, it happens just as he's speaking. Holy Spirit just falls on these people. Uh, we see through the story, the first story, that it's when the apostles come and lay their hands, the Holy Spirit is poured out. So th- there's not just one way that this happens. Uh, remember, Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Uh, another thing that we see in Acts is that signs and gifts can accompany the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we saw speaking in tongues in one of those stories. Um, again, the biggest sign is glory to Jesus. <laughs> The biggest sign is a transformed life. And so if someone says they've received the Holy Spirit, but neither of those things are happening, then that makes me question if that was actually the Holy Spirit. Um, For me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, I grew up in a more Baptist tradition, and I still am a Baptist pastor, and so it almost feels like weird for me to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But um, we, um, for me, again, it was all about, I just wanted more of God. I just wanted to know God in a way that I didn't before. I had such a desire and hunger to know him. And, um, and as I was meeting with some of my f- friends who were more charismatic, they said, they told me about this thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I, it was again that po- I was just there. Lord, I want whatever you have for me. And, and they prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't receive the gift of tongues at that time. Um, I received the gift of tongues later. But um, the reality is, Again, there's no one way. There's no this one size fits all. There's no, it needs to feel this way or that way. Um, I prayed for some friends to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit where like we prayed for them and there was nothing flashy, nothing fancy, no emotion. It was just, but they noticed more victory in their life after that point. I prayed for another friend where he like, it was crazy. Like it was, he started like, the Lord set him free from something in a very dramatic way. And uh, it was quite intense. And it was crazy because the next day he was hanging out with someone who's very prophetic. And this person said, there's something different about you today. What's different about you? And he's like, oh, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's it. (laughs) And so again, there's no one size fits all. And you're going to have an opportunity tonight, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to come and receive prayer for it. And again, it could be by coming forward and receiving prayer. It could also be just in your own spot, just saying, Lord, whatever you got for me, I want but I, I want to encourage you to, to actually come forward when we give that call. Um, one of the best illustrations I've ever heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that when we're saved, and this is by Matt Tapley, he says, when we're saved, it's kind of like you take a cup and you fill it with water, right? That's, that's when you're saved. So the Holy Spirit is the water. You take a cup and you fill it with water. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you take that cup of water and you put it in the pitcher. <laughs> it's immersing ourselves in the purposes and the plan of God. It's surrendering ourselves, saying, God, I don't want to be dependent on myself anymore. I want everything you have for me and nothing less. I want everything you have for me and nothing less. And that's what I believe receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like. Again, I've laid this foundation to say, God loves to pour his spirit out on us in this way. And so why, don't, why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want everything that he has for us? And so... Um, we're going to have that opportunity right away, but this is so important. Um, the last way that we live a life dependent on the Holy Spirit is that we pour out what we have received. 
We pour out what we have received. Uh, we don't just receive all of this for our own spiritual growth. Yes, it's all good, it's all great, but I am not a fan of just letting what happens in these four walls stay in these four walls. We need to live a life that, that is, again, makes no sense apart from the Holy Spirit inside of us. Um, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to share this, but I think I will because it's pretty cool and you can all pray for me. Um, my weight loss journey has actually opened some doors for me that are pretty crazy. Um, so I, I go, I'm part of a running club and, and I was running with this one lady and I shared my story with her and I was very clear about, you know, a lot of the stuff that I shared with you guys. I, I didn't use all Christian-y language at all, but, but I was very like open with her about it. And she was like, that's amazing. And I get an email from her a few months ago and she says, hey, so I'm hosting this conference and I want you to be one of the speakers at it. I want you to share to a group of women about mindset. How do you have the proper mindset to overcome obstacles? And so I emailed her back. I'm like, am I allowed to like, talk about God? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's your story, so you can share whatever you want. And so like, it's crazy. Like, this, sto- this, this conference is literally opening with a yoga teacher doing a mindfulness exercise. Like, <laughs> Like, and then I'm coming up to share on, you know, how Jesus has helped me overcome the weight loss. <laughs> and all that to say, it's not just about what happens here. It's about how we live our lives. And you know what's crazy is I didn't have to do anything other than just tell my story to this lady. And now I could have, I have the opportunity to share a simple gospel with this, this group of people that may literally never have heard of Jesus before. And so it's, it's about receiving and then pouring out what we have received. Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus calls us to, is to, to take what we have been given by him, to take who we are in him, and to help others walk that same way. That's what it's all about. Um, worship team, why don't you guys come up? Um, prayer, uh, why don't we all stand together? Uh, there's going to be a prayer team available here at the front. So the prayer team could come forward, and anyone else who's been asked about being available for prayer can also come forward. Um, so yeah, we're going to take some time now to, um, to, receive, to receive prayer. And... Um, it's, it's not just for people who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that may be your cry tonight, but maybe on your heart is just, I want, I want to know more of God. I want to touch something deeper than I ever have before. I want to know him deeper. I, I want, or it may even be like a sin in your life that you're struggling with, and you need that love encounter with God so that you can, you know you don't have to carry that on your own so that he satisfies the desires of your heart. Um, whatever you need prayer for tonight, we're going to be here. And, and, and we are going to, uh, to lift it up before God. But again, if, if your prayer is for the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight, um, be bold and come forward. If that's what you want, be bold and come forward and receive that prayer. And let's just, let's just allow whatever you feel God doing in your heart, just, just agree with that. And just give yourself the faith to step out in what God may be doing inside of you. And so if you feel like something in your heart or something that might sound like speaking in tongues, just try that. Um, if you feel like if you feel like falling over, maybe don't resist it. <laughs> um, if you feel like God's doing something inside of you and you need to cry or you need to just be alone with Him, do that. 
This is your chance to respond. I believe Holy Spirit's here and he's gonna respond to the hunger that we have. And so let's, let's pray. God, you're here in this place. And I believe this is a Kairos moment. This is a moment where you want to do something profound, where you want to see the veil between heaven and earth thin. And so God, we come before you with expectant hearts, God, expecting that you're gonna do something profound and incredible in us. Lord God, I pray for any of my brothers and sisters in this room who feel like I've, I've, I've tried to feel God before. I've, I've, I've been a part of these things before, but I've never felt him before. God, for the first time tonight, you're gonna touch those people's hearts. You're going to meet them in a way that, that is tangible and transforms their lives. God, I believe there's some of us in this room who, who struggle with habitual sin. You're gonna transform us and meet us in that place of desire tonight. Lord God, I believe there's some people here with anxiety. Jesus, may your peace be so real right now. May your peace be so real right now. Some of us are carrying heavy burdens, God. May you lift those burdens off of us tonight. But ultimately, Jesus, we say whatever you want to do in us, may you do it right now in Jesus' name. Let's just open up our hands like we're receiving a gift. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, Father, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us, God. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us, God, that we would see and live out the reality of your word. Lord God, that we would not live anymore like the world. We would be transformed to be like you, Jesus. Father and Son, pour out your Holy Spirit on us, God. We want what you have for us tonight. We need what you have for us tonight, God. We don't want to leave this place the same. We want to leave this place transformed. Holy Spirit, we ask you for an encounter. We ask you for an encounter right now, God. May you move in a powerful way, even now, God. I pray for boldness. I pray for boldness to come forward and respond, Jesus. There would be no fear in this place, Lord God. All fear would be gone in Jesus' name. Move in power now, God, in Jesus' name. Feel free to come forward at any moment. We'll continue in this place. Let's just receive what Holy Spirit has for us. Let's not let anything hinder what God wants to do in our hearts tonight. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.